And one of the most useful tools for me is um, Markdown. Uh, Markdown is a text file format that I like to use for documentation. Uh, before I, I talk about it, let me give you some context. When I do um, large programs most of the time, I basically get the need to to document the code beyond simple comments. Uh, don't get me wrong, I do believe that comments have their place on, on programming languages. Yet the truth is that even though the comments can explain the right here and now uh, programming code, uh, the truth is that if you want to understand the architecture of the entire uh, software project, you may need to read another thing. And that's where technical documentation comes in. So basically, you need to get the hang of how to write down the general explanation and the specific explanation of why did you create your program as it is. Uh, most of the time, uh, really short programs don't really require documentation. Uh, it may be a, a very simple routine that basically converts uh, a, a chain, a string of text into a daytime format for your desired programming language. Um, it may be a, a, a little, a, a small uh, program like that, just in case that the built-in uh, libraries for managing uh, date and time are not enough for you. Uh, in this particular case, uh, I don't do that, by the way. Yet, uh, I mention it because I had seen it uh, a lot on, on pretty much every single project I've been working on. I, I get to see a particular version of, a custom version of converting a string of text into daytime or vice versa. Uh, I believe that this happens because the original programmer is not familiar with the required libraries to work with data that involves uh, date and time. So, but never mind that. The thing is that uh, those small programs don't really require too much uh, documentation. You can get over it just by writing down a couple of paragraphs at the beginning of the program. Um, you can actually write down the documentation inside the code in, in the shape of uh, blood comments. Blood comments are very popular in, in many programming languages. You don't really need to do much. Uh, for example, uh, in C and C++ based languages like Java, a blood comment can be defined by a diagonal dash and, a, and an asterisk. And then you may close the block of the comment with the reverse. And that is the first you type down the, the asterisk and you end up with the diagonal dash. So uh, the thing is that uh, that's so fine and dandy, 
the truth is that when you move on to a more complex project, and let's just say that um, you need to do some data mining from one database and present the data into a, a completely uh, different uh, structure, you may have the need to create views to present the data. Uh, sometimes you may need to change the data types from one data type to another. And this happens between databases very often. For example, maybe you are saving uh, uh, date and time data just like that, uh, like a, a timestamp data type, or maybe you are using a date uh, and time data type. Uh, yet let's say that you are going to migrate your data into a legacy system and the legacy system is saving the dates as a as bar card or a string of text you then you may need to create a, a small program that actually converts your date and time data type into a string of text um depending on the country that you are working on you may present the date um, as uh, the first two digits, like the month, and then a diagonal dash. Then the, the next two digits will represent the date, and then another diagonal uh, uh, dash, and you end up with the year with four digits. Uh, in some countries, uh, the first two digits may be representing the date, not the month. So you may need to consider that. I don't really like to convert uh, date and time uh, into uh, strings just because uh, the formatting can be tricky. And uh, if the other is your, if the other uh, database administrator or the developer decides to change the formatting of the string and doesn't tell you how, uh, then you are going to be uh, having bugs right there. And this happens often than not. So I do recommend that you use the included date and time data types to represent uh, such data. But never mind, that's beside the point. So getting back to the documentation issue, uh, most people may think that um, it would be recommended to use uh, word processing software like Microsoft Word. Uh, and you can do that basically. You you do have a, a, a great tool to to create printed documents. Yet I don't really recommend that to create technical documentation. In the sense that uh, Word documents from Microsoft tend to be very close source. So if you are trying to use that document with another tool like uh, like Git, a uh, source control uh, managing system, uh, you are going to be having a hard time trying to keep up with the changes. Even if you add the file, the Word document, into the Git repository, you, you just cannot uh, check out the changes, really, because uh, the truth is that since the files for, from Microsoft Word are closed source, you are not allowed to actually see the contents of the file. You can get around this by using some other word processing software. I do recommend that you use uh, LibreOffice 
writer, if you are interested in creating documentation using a graphical user interface such as Word, uh, yet in, if you are using that program, uh, I do believe the I do believe that the the recommended format is with the file extension of FODT. Um, so basically, FODT extension files are open documents with flat XML documents. So what that means is that your entire document is basically a, a very large XML file. And XML files are basically text files. They have their own um, uh, DAGs. They are basically very similar to HTML files, uh, like websites, in the sense that most of the content is managed through to DAGs. Uh, and these DAGs are defined by the FODT file extension. So you can keep working on your text and text document uh, using this FODT file extension and you you are getting the best of both worlds. You are getting the graphical tools, you are getting the ability to insert pictures inside the document, you have the abilities to to create um, footnotes to get proper format into the document and you are getting the ability to add the file into a program like Get uh, source code management system. And you are getting, and every single time that you do a change and that you try, and if you commit that change into Git, you are going to be able to see the differences between the past version and the new version. Why? Because the FODT file extension is basically uh, a text file. So you can actually see, uh, the, all the changes in the format of text. So it's not really that complicated. If you really like um, a, word a word processing tool uh, as your main documentation tool, that's fine. I do recommend that you use LibreOffice and that you save your files in the FODT file extension. So that's the first tool that I would recommend for new people. Now, the thing with F, uh, with word processing uh, software is that it is actually required that if anyone is going to be uh, opening these files, that then those people are going to need to download their own copy of uh, LibreOffice. It's not really that hard. LibreOffice is a really great software. I do recommend it. I actually use it m more often than even Microsoft Office, by the way. It's open source and it's free as uh, free beer. So I do really recommend it. Uh, the thing is that uh, most of the time, programmers and coders are more used to use um, text editors. Uh, text editors are not really the same as word processing uh, software. Word processing software is dedicated for the printed word, for the... Um, so you are designing documents that are supposed to be printed later. Or even if you are just going to to deploy them in digital format, the truth is that the presentation comes first and the content comes second. 
inside word processing software. The thing is that in the case of um, of text editors, you are just saving the text. Uh, most of the time, the formatting, if there is any, is given via um, the rendering software that is going to open the file in the end or the text editor itself. So uh, if you are using a text editor, I would recommend you to give it a try to a couple of the sense of the most popular right now, I think, I think it is Microsoft's um, Visual Studio Code. It's a very, it's, it's a great software. I'm not a fan of Microsoft, yet I have to admit that they are doing a great job with Visual Studio Code to the point that it's my current main coding software. Um, it's not an IDE. It's not complex. And maybe that's the appeal. Uh, for the software itself. So it's not bloated as an IDE. And since it's just a text editor with the ability to add extensions to improve its capabilities, it's obviously going to be very popular with power users and beginners alike. So if you want a simple text editor to write down your exercises or your practice uh, exercises for a school, uh, in software developing, like uh, if you want to just type a single HTML website, you can actually do the do it that way, and I do recommend that you do. So let's talk about then about the Markdown uh, file format. So Markdown, I get to know it uh, when I began uh, working with GitHub. GitHub is a website, is a platform where you can actually upload your Git repositories into GitHub, and GitHub pretty much gives you this remote repository storage for your for your source code repositories. Uh, I do work with Git. I, not, uh, uh, I don't really upload uh, my repositories to GitHub or GitLab. That's another... Uh, uh, remote uh, service platform for source code. Uh, I pretty much work with Git only because it's simpler that way. Uh, I used to work locally and just keep um, uh, I just keep saving the the main folder of my projects into a hard drive or maybe another uh, one of my servers and that's it. So the truth is that. Um, using Visual Studio Code and Markdown are one of the most useful tools I've been used so far. Why? Because it's quick. Because uh, Markdown uh, is similar to HTML, uh, yet it is way easier to use because instead of using tags to define um, a link to a picture or a link to another website, or even to just uh, make a phrase uh, to appear bold. Um, you don't really use tags. You use, uh, for example, if you want to make a phrase or a word to appear as bold characters, you just precede the phrase with an underscore. And you type down your phrase or a word, and then you end up the phrase with an underscore again. And now you're getting a bold phrase. So it's that quick. So 
when you save these uh, markdown files, there is nothing special about them. The only difference between a TXT file, that's uh, a text file, by the way, and a markdown file is the extension. So I do see that GitHub uh, uses the markdown format for for documentation and pretty much uh, GitHub renders the markdown files as websites uh, so you can actually type down very quick and easily your documentation there. You can actually use uh, pictures. You can actually um, embed a video there, uh, not just pictures. You can basically create a, a, a website-like um, document uh, really quickly using Markdown. Um, and when you upload that into a site like GitHub or GitLab, uh, those those platforms are going to render the file like, um, uh, like a website. So it's not really uh, a coding language to write down websites. It's basically just for creating documentation in a quick manner. Because you could actually, if you wanted, you could actually write down your documentation using HTML. Uh, yet, uh, doing that will imply that even writing down the documentation itself is going to become uh, a website project on itself. So, so that's too much, I guess. So that's where Markdown comes down to. Uh, Markdown is going to give you a lot of freedom. It's very quick, it's very dirty. Yet, if you know how to keep everything organized, you can actually use it as a very great tool. In that sense, it's very similar to PHP, where PHP is allowing you a lot of, it's giving you a lot of freedoms. And if you abuse it, you are going to get a mess of code. Yet, if you are organized, PHP is going to be one of the most useful tools for you. Uh, still, that's a very delicate balance. And I do like to think about Markdown as a documentation tool, uh, first and foremost. So uh, I do recommend you to check out uh, Markdown, a Markdown uh, cheat sheet, so you can actually get going with Markdown. There is a lot of tutorials out there. And I'm planning to to record my my own uh, this weekend, so you can actually get a um, get an idea of what I'm talking about. So uh, the thing is that it doesn't really matter that much of what tool you are using. It may be Markdown. It may be uh, an HTML website for your documentation. It happens actually a lot. Uh, you may use a uh, simple text files even, that may be a thing too. Uh, TXT files are still out there. You may use um, Word documents or LibreOffice documents. Um, it doesn't really matter. The thing is that the most important thing for documentation is that the documentation is as updated as possible. So, if you are using a, a word processing software, this is going to be really hard because uh, word processing documents don't work the same as source code documents. So what I'm talking about is that even though you can actually add uh, a Word document file into the Git repository, the truth is that Git is not going to be able 
to do searches inside the file, just as you would do in a text file or a source code file, because they are not um, open text files. So the advantage of using Markdown or any other text-based document is that if you are using uh, Git or any other source code management system, if you are using a if you are using a text file format for your documentation, you can basically treat your documentation as source code in the sense that you can keep track of the changes. You can keep track of uh, not just your source code. You can actually um, keep track of the documentation as if were a, a source code file. So this gives you the advantage of using a sor uh, source code management system. Um, and you can basically use uh, Git along with Markdown to keep track of the changes of the software. So when is the ideal moment to create your documentation? Well, basically uh, what I do and to avoid confusion in the future is to, uh, I, I'm considering my documentation as part of my source code. So what that means is that as I am writing down my program, and, my, uh, and let me explain, just to give you a little context, uh, let me give you my, my workflow. Uh, I call it the slow workflow because it's really slow to produce code. Uh, so the first thing that I do is that I need to have a, a general idea of what I want to do. Let's say, for example, that uh, another director from another uh, um from another branch is asking me to export data from from the database I'm using. Uh, uh, yet he gives me the requirements of the he gives me a blank database that he created or he was um, or or the required database that I need to fill. So this database is a is basically just the structure, and I need to fill it with data. Okay. So the thing is that this new structure is not, um, I don't know it. And the people that created that structure doesn't know how my structure is in the sense that they don't know uh, what tables and relationships uh, uh, do I have in my database. So they just basically give me, you know what? This is the blank database. I need you to fill it with with this data, and here are the requirements for every single field. So that's basically a data mining job. And what I do is, okay, so why do I need to fill? Uh, what are the requirements? I study them. Uh, and that is a long process because even though you may just discard reading them, you may think that, you know what, I'm just going to create views in my database to comply with these requirements. The truth is that there are, there are a lot of more requirements that just, um, than just, uh, complying with the data types for the fields. An example of this is, uh, for example, uh, in this new blank database, there is this field inside a table that is for storing pictures of people. So I basically need to save in a blood file, in a blood field, I mean, uh, a binary file. So I'm basically saving pictures of people in a binary 
in a in in a blood file in a database. So what I'm requiring to do is to basically, I guess, copy my uh, uh, the picture inside this field, and that should be pretty straightforward. Yet there are certain caveats to that. Uh, for example, one of the requirements is that the picture cannot be greater than 200 kilobytes. And that is a hard requirement because if I don't comply with that and the picture is greater than that, it's going to rise an exception. So all my pictures should be 200 kilobytes or below. So that's a, that was a problem initially because most of my pictures uh, were inside that limitation yet. Uh, a lot of pictures, and I'm talking about millions of pictures, um, those pictures are beyond 200 kilobytes. So what I uh, will end up doing is that I, I, uh, I cannot just create a view to copy uh, the contents of one table into another because I need to process that those pictures and resize them or... Well, my, my first intuition was to open the picture file with a program and reduce the, the size of the picture, let's say 10%, and then save it again and try it out again and ask him if the size of the picture is 200 kilobytes or, or less. If that's true, then I should uh, save the picture into the database and move on. So, what I will, so my, the original plan was to, you know what? I'm going to create the view anyway. And I'm going to use a Java program that is going to create this query inside the program. And it's going to get all these pictures. And whenever this program finds a picture greater than 200 kilobytes, I will load that, uh, those zeros and ones as a picture file. And I will load that on RAM, on memory RAM, and then with the help of uh, native Java libraries, I will, uh, I will use those zeros and ones uh, to load them as a, picture as a picture file. I will load that into the program. I will order the, the program to reduce its size by 10%, and try again. So what the program will basically do was to uh, load the pictures, uh, ask, ask if the picture is greater than 200 kilobytes. And if it was greater than that, then I, it will resize it. So this was a little project that took me around a month uh, to, to complete. And this is because uh, I I do like to make a lot of baby steps. I am a single programmer, and going really fast is going to uh, allow me to be open to a lot of bugs. So I don't know how to uh, do do testing in Java. I don't know how to use uh, unit testing in Java. Not yet. So I'm not using that. So the thing is that I was doing my planning on a on a sketchbook. I do planning, I do uh, a lot of algorithms, I do a lot of diagrams on paper basically. 
And after a week of doing that uh, on paper, uh, I decided to to commit to a structure of classes on Java, and I began typing my program. I would I will actually type my program in very single units, in very small units, and uh, every single class is going to do a single thing. Or if it's a a, a a more complex class, it's going to be helped by other classes. So uh, I I don't want to make this more confusing anyway. But never mind. The thing is that for that project, I decided to create a a log folder. Inside this log folder, I will type down my experiences with the with the project. So I was basically creating a log project, uh, a log folder, and inside this folder I will create a, a text file name after the date that I was working on. So uh, the the name of the file was basically something uh, like uh, 2019, uh, two digits for the month, two digits for the date, uh, and the extension was going to be. Uh, I think Markdown extension, let me see, MD, I think it is. So the Markdown extension is MD. So these files will contain the documentation for my project. In my case, I like to do narration in those files. So I was basically typing down um, uh, the the time of the day. And right after that, I will type down my what I was doing and why I was doing it. I was explaining to myself why I was doing it and my problem to to solve at the moment and my propose to solve the problem. So I was doing that and after a while I, I was hacking a little bit and when I got something working, I would uh, ex- type down the the time of the day again inside the file and then explain what I was ending up doing. So when I was uh, when I doing that, I can save that file as a markdown file. Uh, this is uh, an MD extension, and I will keep this log file updated every single day. So this is not uh, a technical documentation. Yet I find this uh, this documentation way more useful than actual technical documentation and this is because when I read this three or five or, or even a year after the fact uh, I can my brain can actually uh, recover all the information all the logic that I was doing at the moment and I can basically get back in time in my memory and remember everything I did or at least understand why I did it so Markdown is a very flexible thing to have, and uh, it's basically a text file. You can use it such a uh, you can use it with Git as long as any other source code file. So you are getting all the benefits of using Git and all the benefits of having documentation in your project. So I had to say that this kind of documentation. Is not technical documentation proper. Why? Because I'm not getting uh, a, a proper description on every single method 
uh, or every single field. So it's not, it's not really that detailed. The thing is that creating that kind of documentation, I do believe that should be automated. There is a tool in Java called uh, Javadocs. I haven't used it. I do know it exists. Uh, so the thing is that uh, with this kind of documentation, I'm getting more than enough help. Uh, so I don't really have the need yet to have proper technical documentation. Obviously, if I'm going to be sharing this code uh, with an organization in a more technical way, I will be needing to create this technical documentation or proper. Yet, if that's the case, I'm going to be using a tool like Javadocs to generate the documentation uh, semi-automatically because it's not just like uh, calling Javadoc and execute the program with your project and, and magically all you have all the documentation you need. No. You actually need to put some work into it. And I do know that you need to write down the documentation yourself uh, in the format of uh, uh, blocks of, a, of um, in, in special comment blocks. Let's just say it like that. So you type down these uh, comments with a special format that Javadocs can actually read and create the documentation for you. The thing is that you need to write down the technical documentation inside the source code. And that's not that bad, I guess. Uh, the thing is that I don't really know how it works. I do know that Javadocs exists and I, and it's one of the tools that I'm planning to learn later. Uh, because first I need to, to learn more about Java itself. So creating documentation is really useful. Don't stop or don't avoid it just because you don't know how to create the API documentation, the technical documentation. Do your own version of documentation. That's what I did. And it's really useful because in the future, when you are reading this documentation, you are going to be blessing yourself from the future because the yourself from the past just help you out a lot. So remember to write documentation thinking that the people that is going, the person that is going to maintain the software that you are typing is a, is a murdering psychopath that knows where you live. So keep that in mind. So thank you for listening again. This is going to be a large, a large um, podcast, I guess. Uh, but let's leave it like this. Keep your documentation in order, update it as often as possible, and help yourself in the future. So thank you for listening and goodbye.